What's up, everybody? It is Casey with Two Worlds Podcast, and with me, as always, is the Siegfried to my Roy. It's Jake. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm great, man. How are you today? I am so tired. Like, I last night I got back in really late from Evansville, and then I was like, I'm going to wake up early and ride the exercise bike at the gym, and normally that wakes me right up, just the thought of that, and... Today I just woke up at 5 a.m. and went back to sleep till 6, so didn't get a workout in in the morning, and I'm just tired. It's a bad combination. Well, I'd say I'm disappointed in you, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get them next time, Tiger. Thanks, man. I'm glad you believe in me. (laughs) I always do. And with that, let's get right into the news. What do you have for me today? So, Emilia Clark <clears throat> is currently in the frontrunner for Zatanna. Apparently, she played in a little show called Game of Thrones. I don't know who she played in it, <laughs> but she's a character in that, right? Casey. Yes. She? You, you really you don't know? I really don't know. She was this little uh, character called uh, Daenerys Targaryen, or, you know, Daenerys of House Targaryen, first of her name, the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals, the Rhoynar, and the First Men. Is she, none of that ringing a bell to you? Is she the one with the dragons? <laughs> yeah, she's the one with the dragons. Okay, okay. Then, yeah, I know who she is. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I just had to show off my my little Game of Thrones yeah. nerdiness. See, there. like, my my girlfriend really loved that show like she just randomly started watching it and she really loved it but i could not get into it so i would just be on my phone or reading comics for this podcast when it was on so boy i know aquaman was in it that's you know (laughs) well back to the matter at hand here i i think she'd be pretty cool as zatanna cool i'll take your word for it yeah She's she's a fine actress. I hear that her other stuff is pretty good, too, though I haven't really seen a lot of it. Uh, but mostly, I just want to see live-action Zatanna. Yeah, I want that, too, man. Um, on, the, on the whole movie show track here, we've already talked about it, but they announced a Witcher prequel series. It will be uh, live action and six parts. It's called The Witcher Blood Origin, and it's set 1,200 years before the events of The Witcher show. And it will show the origin of the very first Witcher and the events that lead to the conjunction of the spheres, which is a really big worldly event in that universe. And I may not sound like it, but I am incredibly excited for that. I think it's going to be great. Now, isn't just to see the origin of the first Witcher? I think yeah. is is cool. And the the writer of the books, Andrzej Sapkowski, is going to be a creative consultant on the show, which gives me more hope for it. Now, isn't it also though like a Polish folklore too, or am I making that up? Um, no. I mean, the writer's Polish, and some of the creatures are drawn from. Uh, you know, mythology of that area. But okay. I, cause I was just wondering, it's like, how much are they going to be pulling from that? But if it's just kind of 
all just, you know, that one dude's make them ups, then I think it'd be, I think it should be pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. So I'm not, I'm not going to say less exciting news, but also just like news that kind of had me scratching my head. I guess a Mega Man movie is being made and the, it's going to be written by one of the Batman, one of the Batman co-writers, Matson Tomlin. Um, I don't think a live action Mega Man movie is going to work out well at all. But I mean, I'm sure people said the same thing about a live action Super Mario Brothers, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and boy, did we have that wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, do you, you. I mean, it, it could be. Yeah. Are you going to be lining up to see that? Or are you just going to wait, you know, wait for the trailer before you say anything? Um, I mean, mostly wait for the trailer. I, you know, it could work. Uh, you know, Sonic was fine. You know, not all video game movies are great. And, you know, I didn't really, you know, kind of on a, a similar uh, subject. I, I didn't see the Astro, Astro Boy movie, so I, I don't really know how, how that compares. But, like, you know, it can work. It just depends on how they execute it. <laughs> yeah. I personally, I hope this movie ends with like Mega Man coming back into his like, you know, place of living. I don't know what you'd call it since he's a robot. And then he takes off his helmet. He goes to sit down and all the lights are out and he flips them on and there's like Sonic and he's like, we got to go fast. And that's how it ends. Like it sets up the Super Smash Brothers universe. <laughs> That would be an insane twist that I <laughs> can say with 100% certainty is not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I say put like five bucks on it in Vegas because let's just say it does happen. You're going to be making lots of money. <laughs> um, back to, well, you know what? No, let, let's, let's stick with show news. Uh, I read that Warren Ellis finished writing Castlevania season three, but the studio will not have him back for future seasons. All of that is obviously because of all the like sexual harassment stuff that's come out about him lately. I figured this was going to happen. Uh, the selfish part of me wished it didn't because he, I, I love the show and I know he's a good writer it's just a shame that he's also sort of a garbage human being too. And it's going to cost, I mean, might cost fans like a good show. They could replace him with somebody that'll do just as good a job, but like, you know how it is. Yeah. But I mean, a TV show is a lot different than a comic book. He's probably, well, he was just showrunner, right? Like he's not actually writing all the episodes. Like he'd have a whole staff under him. Correct. I'm pretty sure he's writing all the episodes. <laughs> well, boy, was I talking out my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I guess I don't know for sure, but I was under the impression that he he was uh, the like sole writer. Yeah, because like I've never heard that before with like a TV show. I'm sure it happens where like it's just one person. Normally, it's like a room full of people like there's one person that will write write an episode then you know, everyone else will punch it up and then the main person gets all the writing credit like you know, the main writing credit because they're the head you know the showrunner but right and a quick imdb search at least according to them he is the only credited writer to the show dang okay that is gonna hurt never mind then because i was about to be like well i mean it could be fine because 
you got these other people, but then it's like, well, I guess, I guess Casey's an idiot. <laughs> well, fingers crossed it stays good. Well, I mean, I guess I, I hope that it does continue. Like, it's not like I'm one of those people that that's, you know, if it's not Warren Ellis, I'm done with it. I'm definitely willing to give someone else a shot and hopefully season three does well enough that they get to. Yeah. I still have not checked it out. And you've told me about it, but I'm just, I just don't ever think about it because I'm not on Netflix that much unless it's like with the girlfriend and that's not a show I think she would watch mostly because she doesn't care about cartoons. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, to each their own, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Thought everybody liked killing vampires, but I guess not. No, no, she's more more about the adult shows, like cooking network shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk about the new DC interact. I guess it's, you call it an interactive movie, but the new DC animated movie that's coming out. Have you seen the trailers for it? Um. I don't know. Which one are we talking it about? It is Batman. Uh, it's Batman Death in the Family. And it's like, intera- it's called like interactive. And I've. Oh, I, but no, I have not. Check out the trailer. It looks bonkers. Like, <laughs> super cool. Because uh, you get to choose this time if Jason lives, if he dies, if Batman saves him, if he saves himself. And then it, like, it shows these different outcomes. Like, the trailer shows like a bunch of different outcomes. So it's like, if he lives, he becomes Red Robin. You know, if he dies, it's the regular Jason Todd thing. It looks like he might even become Hush. Because, like, in the animated movie-verse, they completely screwed up Hush, so they might be changing that up something. Or, you know, whatever. It looks insane, but also so cool. And there's, like, they said that there's so many hours of just how, you know, how it could be different. They're very much doing, like, the Black Mirror type thing where you can, like, just go through and, you know, spend hours trying to figure out all the different ins and outs and... Yeah, you need it. You should check it out because it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, that does sound cool. Speaking of, I don't know how like new this is, but uh, I saw on the Twitter earlier that there's a new DC animated movie dropping tomorrow about Deathstroke. I've heard about that. Yeah, like there was a like you could watch the first part of it or something on the CW network. Like they're. Um, Inter, like their streaming service thing they had it up there and then this is like the full version that's coming out and that should be pretty cool too oh, i gotcha because tony tony talked about that for a little bit on the random podcast from heck right um i know that jmd mateus wrote it so i think that's pretty cool yeah like, I mean, I'm so I'll probably check it out at some point. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I hope it gets on the DC app pretty quickly because I would really want to watch it, but I don't really want to pay for yeah. it. I mean, since I'm paying for the app, I might as well get it that way. I agree. I, I've i only got like two more things if you want to okay. keep on going. So I don't know if there's any Avatar fans listening, mm-hmm. but Toph from that show Avatar The Last Airbender is getting her own graphic novel. It's going to be called Toph Beifong's Metal Bending Academy. I'm betting it's taking place after the last series of comics, but before anything referenced in Legend of the Korra. 
they had some like little you know like they just kind of talked about in the i think it was cbr that boasted about it and it looked pretty cool like it'd be it'll be neat to see i think it's coming out in 2021 so it's a ways off but i mean I, as someone that likes avatar but hasn't read any of the comics this is pretty cool and hey, as somebody who has read all the comics, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Anytime they come out with a new one, I'm all about it. Good. Uh, I knew you would be the target audience for that when I told it. So I was like, yeah, I got to keep this in for Jake. <laughs> um, James Tynan, one of our favorites on here, uh, is making a horror magazine called Razorblades. It's going to be a quarterly horror anthology curated by James and Steve Fox. The first 75-page issue is on sale for pay-what-you-want digital, or you could get it um, hard copy off their website, but I think they've already sold out because as soon as he tweeted about it, he's like, oh, it's up. He's like, wow, more people wanted it than I thought. I think we might be running out. So I think it's only digital <laughs> now, so I mean, good for them. And, and yeah, if you're, you're into horror stuff, I would recommend checking it out i plan on checking it out sooner or later i just haven't gotten to it and then last week we talked about this and so i just wanted to bring this up i'm not going to dwell on it too long but tom king did apologize to jay lee in my opinion it was kind of too little too late but he did take down the other tweets which was good yeah uh congrats tom <laughs> <laughs> That was heavy, heavily sarcastic. Yeah. So, moving on. <laughs> um, now, this is something that popped up at Comic Con at home. Jeff Loeb turns out he may be racist, maybe not. Um, so, the actor that played Nobu, I didn't write down his name. Um, he was tell- talking about this at you know Comic Con from home that he was going to like they were gonna like the writers wanted to give him and Madame Gal like episodes where it explores their backstory. And then Jeff Loeb kind of completely put the kibosh on that whole idea stating nobody cares about Chinese people and Asian people. And he's, you know, the actor that played Nobu heard this from many sources, including writers and showrunners. And then Jeff went on to, you know, they said, he said, Jeff went on to say there were, three previous Marvel movies, a trilogy called Blade, where Wesley Snipes kills 200 Asians. Nobody gives a crap. So don't write about Nobu and Gao. And they were forced to put their storylines on, you know, and, you know, just stop the storylines altogether, make something new. And, like, then I heard another story on Twitter afterwards where it was like this kid went to a con and he was, as he put it, brown-skinned, and he wanted... Uh, Jeff to autograph his book and like Jeff was really cold to him but was really nice to the people in front of him and it's like I've been to cons where the people in front of me the the writer was much more nice to them and then when it got to me like he's they seem like they know them and then they just autograph my stuff and went on it, that's how I kind of picked up that kid's story when he was telling it in my my opinion and then with this Asian story it sounds like you have Jeff telling one of his writers this like kind of as a joke because like i don't think a dude's racist if you know like i don't think he would be inherently racist to asian people if he's cast agents of shield with two you know of the main characters as asian people it doesn't really add up to me that being said he's still an idiot and 
he should be held accountable for it, but I don't think you can really label him as racist off of something that you hear secondhand from someone else. Like, you don't know that Tony said it. It was just wrong, and he's an idiot. Yeah, I'm not, like, a huge fan of uh, his writing or anything. Or, I mean, like, his more current stuff. I'm a huge fan of some of his earlier stuff. But, like, no excuse to say anything like that if he did say it. So, hopefully, uh, I don't know. He gets a stern talking to. Like, I don't really know what they're going to do to Jeff Loeb, you know? Yeah, at this point, I think, like, at the very least, what would happen is they're going to, like, trim his title down some because he is kind of one of their main guys at Marvel, but, you know, whatever. Uh, And then this is exciting. Jake, you talked about this last week that Tom Tom Taylor was kind of hinting that he was doing another Injustice book, and it kind of got leaked that he's doing a digital first, another digital first Injustice book called Injustice Year Zero. It's going to be JSA. Don't know how it's going to work. That's cool. But it's awesome. Yeah, I think I think I will certainly be checking that out then if it's JSA related. Yeah. And then I have one more rumor. Then we have the have one thing I want to discuss with you. And then so if you want to say if, like you have one piece of news left, you said. Uh, they kind of go together. It's fine. OK. Um, so S- Scott Snyder is said to be moving away from DC's main line in 2021. So that's relatively big news. Um, you know, death metal will be wrapped up by then. Um, I know that he's, he's going to be doing more American vampire and he has some secret project with, um, Francisco Francavilla. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense that he wants to move away from the main line to focus on some creator-owned stuff for a while. I'm sure he'll be back at some point. He said he would be. He just wants to do some other stuff right now. And that's probably for the best. I mean, that's I think that's only good for a writer who's just been doing huge stuff at DC for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of spinning out of that, there have been some new uh, death metal one-shots announced so and and some of these were previously announced um so we know about the guidebook and speed metal and legends of the dark knights there's also some coming out called trinity crisis multiverse's end last stories of the dcu last 52 war of the multiverse uh, Death Metal, The Secret Origin, The Multiverse Who Laughs, and Infinite Hour Extreme. And there's three X's, so I don't know if we're getting some like naughty adult-themed book from DC about Death Metal characters. <laughs> we uh, better. But yeah, yeah, we better. I mean, <laughs> I've written just countless pages of fanfic about it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's what's happening. And I'll probably read them all because so far I've been digging the death metal. Yeah, it. I'm like I'm kind of I'm like you where it's like oh yeah it's kind of good that he's going away and doing his own thing, but at the same time it's like this just leaves like 
more of these crisis, main crisis books for writers that I like a lot less. Like, I have a bad sure. feeling that we're going to get another crisis here in a bit, and it's going to have, like, the creative lineup, like, the creative team of, you know, on double writing duty, Brian Bendis and Tom King together at last, and doing that type <laughs> of stuff where they're, like, you know, you know, heading up the main universe now because Scotty Snyder is gone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I hope not. I I feel like DC should have learned their lesson by putting him on Superman and countless other books that haven't sold well, like his Batman universe book and event Leviathan and even Legion of superheroes. Like the dude just is not selling that well. So hopefully he doesn't get put on any big books, but dude, any more big books. But, dude, you're talking about DC being something that thinks things through well. Like, we love DC comics, but they are not known for thinking things through well. But, I mean, up until they signed an exclusive contract with Bendis, <laughs> they kind of were for a while. New 52, you know? though? Like, all of the... I'm saying lately. Okay, fair enough. Like, since Rebirth, <laughs> which... Hadn't been I that mean, long. Can you believe... <laughs> Well, uh, it kind of has though. Like 2016, I you know sometimes when I say rebirth, it still feels oh yeah, like that's just like a year old, but it's not. It's, yeah, fair enough. It's four years old at this point. So, but when did they sign Bendis? Like, Man, uh, last year I think. Wasn't oh, okay. It? Or was it 18? I thought it might be 18, so I wasn't sure. Well, either way. It's like you you don't want to see them start to fall now that they're doing so many good things. Yeah. So if I had a soundboard, I'd be putting in like Adele's Rumor Has It right here because Rumor Has It. Uh, for Captain Marvel 2, it's going to have Spider-Man, Ms. Marvel, and Super Scroll. But the Super Scroll really won't be Super Scroll. Instead of having Fantastic Four's power... He's going to have Spider-Man power, so I don't really know how that makes him a super scroll. Like he needs at least three more, you know, at least at least some more powers than just Spider-Man, because that's not that super when you think about it. Like that's just in Spider-Man fighting a guy that can also can do the things he can do, but then also change what he looks like. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. We, they just, they shouldn't use Super Scroll if they haven't done Fantastic Four yet. I agree, man. But, I mean, it's, it's the MCU. What do you expect? Well, that's true. So I, well, does that wrap up the news for you? Uh, really quick. I just, we talked about this via text, but, uh, Gail Simone tweeted, name three artists that make you happy. I just thought this would be a fun way to end things because normally we end on depressing stuff. So I was like, let's have something happy. And, you know, I tweeted her, Michael Allred, Darwin Cook, and Fiona Staples. And though there are a lot more because she even tweeted like 10 times of different artists, of three different artists that she, you know, made her happy. So why don't you just give me three that make you happy, buddy? Yeah, so the first one that comes to mind is going to be Scott McDaniel. Anytime I see his art, it takes me back to like the Nightwing series and just like simpler times in life, and it makes me happy. Um, another one would be 
my favorite current comic book artist, which is Kenneth Rockfort. Everything he puts out is just stellar, even if it's like a team or character that I don't really care about. It always looks good. And then um, I'm going to go with Stefan Sedgik. I hope that's how you say his name. But everything he puts out is just like out of this world. He he did the first couple issues of Justice League Odyssey before he was off the book. So, uh, But he's done a bunch of stuff. He did Harleen uh, for Black Label, and I mean, his work is just killer. So that would be my three. And I hope you thought of yours because you know I'm going to ask, what are your three? Uh, the three I, I told her were Michael Allred, Darwin Cook, and Fiona Staples. Okay. I can agree with all those. But I have, like, yeah, I have, a like, a bunch more that I could have said. But right. those are the mo- the ones that that's kind of screamed fun to me the most. Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, uh, let's take our ad break, and we'll come back and talk about comics. Welcome back. Let's get into the comic books we read for the week. Casey, which ones did you get through? So I read DC Cybernetic Summer, number one. Uh, Nailbiter Returns, number three. Batman Superman, number ten. X-Factor, number one. Wonder Woman 759. Empire, number three. And then I also read the newest issue, I don't know the number off the top of my head, for... uh, Batman, The Adventure Continues. Okay. What about you, man? There was not a lot for me this week, um, but I did read Wonder Woman 759, and then trying to get caught up on last week, I got through Batman Beyond 45 and Vlad Dracula number one. Nice, dude. Well, we'll talk about Wonder Woman together like we do. Kind of, like, I was like, in my head thinking that you were going to read DC cybernetic summer too. So, cause like we would be reading it together, but like at the same time, when I talk about it, you'll know what I, like when I say it's like probably for the best you didn't cause it was kind of a letdown. <laughs> Honestly, I was going to, but I sold out of it at the shop. So I, I gave up my copy. So, well, that's good at least yeah. man. Well, uh, I'll start and I'll start with DC cybernetic summer. This is just one of these DC books that has, you know, multiple, multiple writers, multiple artists doing different stories. And there were one, two, three, four, five, ten different stories. It's a 999 book, 80 page giant, as they say. Um, like the, there's a Batman story. It's got Alfred in it. Like that's like the high point for me. It just didn't do much like, uh, Gabriel Hardman, the art in it was really nice. The story itself, it's with Brother Eye. I'm not a big Brother Eye guy, so I wasn't too fond of it. And then there was a Wonder Woman Platinum story, and it's called In Fandom, and it's by Andrew Constant and Nicholas Scott. And that one's cool. Like, I like The Metal Men. I don't really know why, because I've never read anything, I think, with The Metal Men in it, but they've always just seemed cool to me. So... It was neat seeing Wonder Woman Platinum and the fact that now in universe DC continuity, Wonder Woman is an anime nerd. So that was fun. (laughs) But the story itself, like, eh, 
Then Red Tornado in Summer Camp. I really like this one. It's by Stephanie Phillips and boy, I'm going to butcher this. Layla Del Duca on art. Was that right? It could be. I, I'm not familiar. Know? Okay. Um, like basically Red Tornado is with his wife and daughter taking them out on a camping trip and he keeps getting called for Justice League stuff. And it's, it's a really nice story. I'm glad that the, his wife and daughter didn't get retconned away because like I would used to read some of my brother's young justice. His daughter was a big part of that. Like the red tornado stuff, his daughter was a big part of it. So it's nice that she's still in this. And yeah, like I said, I like that story. It was pretty good. Uh, this is, this one's probably my favorite though. It's booster gold and blue beetle in the boys of summer by Heath Corson and Scott Kalblish on the art. And it's just Booster and Blue Be- uh, Booster and Beetle just want to go to the beach, but the beach is packed, so they're like, "Hey, let's go to last year when we when we were here and no one was here." And then they're like, "That would make a paradox because there'd be two of us there." And then they're like, "We'll go the day before." And so they go the day before, and then they're hanging out, having fun, and then oh, another time bubble pops up. It's Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. And they're like, oh, man, we showed up the day before because uh, like they just keep like different, blue, you know, Blue Beetle and Booster Golds from like throughout the, the years keep going back to the day before. And they're all just showing up. So like they have like middle aged Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, like very old Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and all this stuff. It's it's pretty funny. I would highly recommend that story. Uh, the Flash in the Speedster Games by Joshua Williamson and David LaFiente, and it was fine. Like, it was just like the Flash running against a robot Flash. They're running a race together. It was, you know, neat. Uh, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes in Summer 11 by Liz Erickson and Nick Varela. And this one, it's kind of neat. Like, you had old Superboy... uh, his old, like, Superman robots, you know, he had one of those, and he went to do Legion of Superhero stuff, and the robot was living its regular, you know, Clark's regular life, he runs into this girl, though, and the robot falls in love with the girl, and so then she's, like, this nerdy girl's like, I can't believe Clark Kent likes me, you know, and, like, they're going out on dates and stuff, but then, like, it turns out the robot got infected with this thing that, like, was making him try to, like, turn into a human, basically, and so they had to, like, stop him, and then, like, Clark does not know anything about the robot trying to, you know, date this girl, and so the girl's feelings are all hurt, and that's how it ended, and it was, it was fun and neat, you know, a neat story. Uh, Midnighter and Apollo and Out There, and this is by Steve Orlando and Paul Pelletier, and I'm not a big, like, I don't know anything about Midnighter and Apollo, so this one didn't really do anything for me, like, these are two characters that I've never read before because I've never read Stormwatch. So, I mean, I'm sure it was fine if you liked these characters, if you knew stuff about them, but I didn't, so I just didn't care. Uh, Harley Quinn and Cyborgman and Splish Splash Special by Che Grayson and Maruette Sauvage on the art. And this is another one where I'm like, I'm not the biggest Harley Quinn fan. She's just trying to cool down in the summertime. It, you know, it's kind of a Harley Quinn story. Uh, so, yeah. Robot Man and Summer Bummer Max Beam by Max Bemis and Greg Smallwood. I, 
it's not very like Max Bemis isn't a good writer, so I n- didn't have high expectations going into this, but it's better than I expected. <laughs> but yeah, it's still not it's still not very good. And then last, uh, Cyborg Superman or Cyborg Superman and Cyborg Superman and Catfish Crisis by Stuart Moore and Coley Hammer. And this one was pretty ridiculous. You had like Cyborg and Cyborg Superman were fighting. Superman shows up to fight, and then <laughs> out of out of thin air comes the super cyborg cyborg superman and cyborg's like what and so then it's like during a crisis cyborg superman and cyborg superman all got combined and that's what this is so then he teams up and helps take down cyborg then it turns out it's just batman and then cyborg's like what in the world he's like oh we couldn't tell you the plan we had to catch cyborg superman off guard then as he's leaving um, there's this like voice. It's like, wait, Victor Stone, you must hear me out. I am Henry Victor Kin- Kintshaw Clark Stone, the cyborg <laughs> Superman of Earth D co- cosine X one nine Y. It was I who subtly influenced Superman and Batman's minds, implanting their idea f- for their admittedly ludicrous plan. Though I am trapped in the syndotic transphase zone, I must warn you of the crisis to come. For the menace it poses to you, to all reality, is beyond imagining. And then, worlds will live, worlds will die, and only you, Victor Stone, with your unique perspective on black eyes, child-rearing experiments, and very, very mean people might hope to stop unimaginable carnage that threatens all. Like, hey, Clark Stone, come on, man, you gonna play or what? And then it's like, it shows, like, all of these, like, it's Zoom, Anti-Monitor, don't know who the other two people are, and they're just, like, playing poker. (laughs) And then he just turns around and looks, and that's how it ends. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. But yeah, no, like, you weren't missing much not reading it. It's, like I said, it wasn't too good in my opinion, but... it. I mean, maybe some people might enjoy it more than me, but I don't know. Uh, so Nailbiter Returns. I'm really liking this book. There was one part where... These, this is just one thing that really made me laugh there was these people, this guy watching a movie, you know, watching the movies and he's in the, you know, in the theater sitting there and he's got this big knife and people keep talking. And he's like, you really should talk during movies. And I was like, that's the one, one of the few times I will cheer on a murderer. If he's going <laughs> to murder people that are talking during the movies. But then like it turns around and then there's these two twins that with like hammers and they're like, uh, maybe you should just watch it at home. Yeah, who even goes to the movies anymore? And he's like, no, no, that's not fair. You're cheating. The terrible two only killed twins. I'm not a twin. And they're like, rules are made to be hit in the head with a hammer. And then they just beat him to death. <laughs> so, so it's like, I was like, man, that's not what I expected. I was rooting for that guy, rooting for him to survive the whole series. But <laughs> sadly, he didn't. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a, like Nailbiter Returns is a lot of fun, as much fun as a book about, you know, serial killers can be. And I need to read nail, the, you know, the rest of the regular Nailbiter because like I have a feeling I'm going to be getting a lot of spoilers for that the more I read the Nailbiter Returns. Yeah. Um, Batman Superman, number 10. Uh, this deals a lot with ultra humanite stuff. It kind of reveals, you know, some of the stuff that he's been going through and also Atomic Skull and... Batman's kind of giving Superman the cold shoulder with everything that's going on. And yeah, he like it's really making Ultra Humanite look like a 
scary villain, especially since like, which is kind of hard to do because he is a giant monkey with a big old brain. That's not named Grodd. So like I always kind of took him as a joke after, um, uh, just League unlimited. Like he was always kind of like a big deal in that, but at the same time, like he was kind of lame in that show a lot. Like, you know, on his best days, like I was like, Oh yeah, this guy's pretty lame. So this is actually making him pretty cool. And then I will let you talk, buddy. All right. So, Vlad Dracul, number one. This is a Scout Comics book. It's written by Matteo Strukel and artist Andrea Muti. Had to, had to pull a Casey there with my pronunciations. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's about uh, Vlad yeah, back in Transylvania in the whatever, like 1400s, I believe. Yeah, 1456. And he finds this brother and sister out in the woods uh, about to be attacked by wolves, but he prevents that from happening and invites them back to his castle. And then it skips ahead five years, and the brother is just like a, a servant for Vlad, and the sister is his lover. And this sultan sends a guy to uh, basically collect a tribute or like a tax from Vlad and Vlad cuts off the dude's head and sends it back to him. He's like, nah, I think I'm going to go to war instead. (laughs) So, um, meanwhile, a couple of jealous townspeople take, uh, the girl whose name is Katharina and they try to kill her because she's, and I quote a crazy witch that, uh, seduced Dracula or not Dracula, sorry, Vlad into, starting a war with the Sultan and they're super outnumbered and everyone's going to die. But right before they kill her, Vlad shows up and just like goes ham on all these guards and says, anybody that touches Katharina will meet the same fate. Um, yeah. And then it cuts to the Sultan who sends another messenger. And this time Vlad tortures the messenger into giving up what the Sultan's whole plan is behind everything. And Vlad gets the, uh, gets the info out of him and beats the Sultan's army to this one castle that they were going to use as like a base. And it just sort of ends there. So it's pretty neat. Like the art's really good. And I probably didn't make it sound exciting in the slightest, but, uh, you know, (laughs) if, if you like Transylvania or just the, the character and history behind Vlad and Transylvania, I definitely suggest it. And if anything, you'll think it looks really pretty. So there you have it. Right on, man. Um, so next book I'm going to talk about is X factor. This is probably my what my, uh, maybe my probably my favorite book of the week. Uh, it's by I'm gonna find the artist's name and the writer's name so I can mispronounce him for everybody. <laughs> um, where is it? Should have just written it down, I guess. 
because it says on the front page, but it's Williams and Baldion. But I wanted the first names too because I really like this and I wanted to get it right. But basically, North Star, like a uh, North Star, has a dream that ah, oh, there it is. I thought, but I was wrong. Uh, but North Star had a dream that Aurora, his sister, died, and so he know like since they have the twin connection, he's like, oh, I know she's dead, and so he goes to Krakoa and tells him, bring my sister back. And they're like, well, do you have proof she's dead? And he's like, no. And so then he try, you know, goes around because like, well, we can't do it because there's this whole line. Uh, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, just have missing people and we can't be bringing another, you know, another mutant back with them still there. Like, that's not how this works. And so, and North Star's kind of a jerk. Like, I love North Star, but the character is just a jerk. And that's one of the things that makes him likable. And so then he talks to Blob because he knows that was the last place she was seen was at the bar and Polaris is there and that's how she she's like you're doing this all wrong you idiot basically what she's is what she says and she you know sets up a, you know helps make a team to find Aurora and I found the page that has the people's name it's by Leah Williams and David Baldion and the art in it is pretty great and as you know as they're leaving uh Dakin wants to join this is like the only character like this character and Prodigy are the two characters I own really nothing about. Like the only time I read Dakin was when he killed Punisher and made him Frankencastle. And this is like he's very different in this. He's much more likable. So like that's a that's a plus at least. And so yeah, they, they get a team. It's uh got Dakin, Prodigy, uh iBoy, and um like Rachel Summers. And yeah, they just try to figure out what happened to Aurora. They, you know, find you know follow the clues. They find out that she was her car got crashed in the you know lake, and they bring her back. They get her body ready to be brought back to life. And then at the end, they're like, "There's been a lot of you know the the heads behind the Krakoa are like, there's been a lot of mutants missing. You guys should just like." keep finding these dead mutants for us because we're doing a pretty bad job and so they're like you want to be the x-factor and then they're like sure and then that's how it's how it gets made and that's you know this is gonna be the team it's pretty great like i'm i'm really i'm really all about it like i wasn't sure how i was gonna feel but this does feel very much like a peter david x-factor book which is a huge compliment for me and yeah like i loved it so i'm excited for more of this cool i'm glad you liked it man i know how much x factor means to you so <clears throat> okay next i read batman beyond 45 this is written by dan jurgens and paul Pelletier and norm ratmond on the art um so i'm hopping in on a part three so, basically, what I was getting from all this is that uh, Ra's al Ghul is super old and about to die for realsies this time. He says that uh, the Lazarus Pit won't do anything for him after he dies this time. So, uh, his grandson, Damian Wayne, will take over as the head of the demon in League of Assassins. And... Under Roz is this guy called Zero, who I'm pretty sure is just supposed to be like Mr. Freeze or like 
some somebody very similar to Mr. Freeze. He wears goggles, he's got white hair, and he's all about cold. <laughs> and with Mr. Freeze's uh, original name is Mr. Zero, I think it's just a nod back to that. So, anyway, <clears throat> full spoilers, of course. Roz dies, Damien takes over, and... Uh, Turns out Damien's not all cool with Zero's plan to essentially take the world back to the Ice Age uh, while they are up in, like, starships, the select few. And then when the Earth has reverted back to, like, zero population, they will control the population and slowly add people back onto the Earth. Which sounds pretty insane, and Damien's like... Yeah, yeah, we're we're actually not going to do that. And Zero got <laughs> mad and had gotten like a good chunk, if not all of the League of Assassins on his side. So Damien goes to Bruce and uh, well, he he actually gets saved by Goliath as all the assassins come after him. Like, he does pretty well holding them off, but then Goliath comes in and and takes them away. So they go to Neo-Gotham, and he tells Bruce what's going on. And then Zero shows up on this ship and is going to destroy all of Neo-Gotham with missiles just to, like, get rid of Damien for good. So Terry and Damien and Goliath and the new Batwoman and even... Mayor Grayson, Dick himself, show up, and with the help of a satellite that Bruce controls, they take out the ship before they can destroy everything, and, um, but essentially Zero starts his plan into motion anyway at the end on the last page, and Damien says, from what I saw of his plans, if it started now, it can't be stopped. And that's how it ends. So it was pretty cool. Like this was a super fun issue seeing all those people together. <clears throat> the fights were neat. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to stop Zero's plan. It was cool. Has this kind of made you want to just keep reading Batman Beyond for good? You know? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, you know, nice. I, I <clears throat> love the show. And Dan Jurgens is great, and I've heard good things about this book, and I just picked it up because, you know, it was kind of a light week, but I liked it, and I definitely want to see where it goes. Right on, dude. All right, so before we get into Wonder Woman, I'm going to talk about Avengers, Fantastic Four, Empire, number three, by Al Ewing and Dan Slott with Valerio Shitti on the art. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast. Um, so I'm not like the art in this is gorgeous, but like this book is very like very much like a like a uh, I would say like a roller coaster. Like it starts started off, I'm like, oh man, this is actually like I got on it. I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna like this. And then like I'd start it up, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. And then now it's just like going like a flat straight pay you know straight not going down not going up not doing side to sides it's just kind of like a straight line and i'm and it's like eight miles per hour i'm just like huh 
it was kind of exciting to begin with, but now it seems like I'm going to be on here for four more months and dropping $4.99 a buck, you know, a, every time I want to see what happens. And I'm just not. So, so what's changed then? Well, because it started like off. the pace or just? It just kind of like the the original, the first issue was like, oh, are the scrolls and Kree teaming up and are they going to, you know, take take on earth and then it's like all this build up like they're fighting back and forth and it's like oh no it's actually these plant people and it's just they're kind of dealing with that but it's like there's not it doesn't feel like there's really any stakes because you know the plant people aren't gonna win <laughs> like there's like at least with like the like when, when there's stuff with the scroll and the Cree, like you do know like it could change stuff a lot with this it's just kind of like I mean, there there is a bit of a twist this time at the end, a reveal. But even that just kind of had me going like, oh, I really don't care. Like it, this is just it's very much like a Marvel event book to me. Where I remember why I don't read Marvel event books. <laughs> but now I'm ready to talk about Wonder Woman. If you are, bud. I sure am. So, just initial so. thoughts before we talk about any of the plot. What what do you think of it? You know, I thought it was pretty interesting. You can tell that it's a jumping on point for a new writer because mm-hmm. there's like, you know, it's kind of exposition heavy. Yeah. Um, but I didn't mind it. And also the art was so darn pretty that it really didn't make me mind it. What, what about you? I loved it, actually. Like, yeah. No, I mean, like like you said, the first couple pages, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, here's Wonder Woman. And, you know, that's fine because I haven't read a Wonder, like a Wonder Woman book since the issue right after Brian Azzarello. To, or, no, since Rebirth. And so I don't really know what was, what's been going on with her since the first issue of the rebirth comic. So this is, that's yeah. fine for me. And yeah, the story itself, I loved it and also had it, like the most relatable wonder woman thing, but we'll talk about that after we say who wrote it and drew it. I'll let you say since names are my weakness. <laughs> well, you picked a couple of tricky ones. <laughs> I've always said Mariko Tamaki as the writer. And then on art was, uh, Mikkel Janin, who I'm a huge fan of. He always has really pretty art in his books. So, uh, yeah, I really like just how he draws her. Like, her character design is awesome. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I I love the art in it. And this is another one of those things where it's like, maybe I'm wrong because of my colorblindness, but the colorist... Um, Jordi Belair, these colors in this are awesome. Yeah, 100%. And then I just want to share like this one. Like, first off, how does this girl not know her new neighbor's Wonder Woman? Like her <laughs> bunny goes into her apartment. Wonder Woman picks up the rabbit. She can talk to it because, of course, like I, I don't doubt that Wonder Woman knows how to talk to a rabbit. And then the girl's like, oh, hey, would you want to go with me get some furniture? And then like as she looks into her place, it's full of like Greek stuff, you know, it's just like, how do you not know that this is wonder woman? 
I mean, I get that you have brain damage, but come on. <laughs> yeah, it's not like she's hiding her face or anything. Huh? It's not like she's hiding her face or anything. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and then, but this is like the most relatable Wonder Woman thing for me. Like, I'm like, well, I 100% relate to this character now. There's a, the part when they're shopping together. Wonder Woman's like, we take this to the front to buy it. And then the girl's like, that's the best part. You pick the couch you like, and then they send you the parts and you put it together. And she's like, this is not a good store. And then she's like, a couch I will build myself for $900. Yeah, but you get that feeling of accomplishment, you know? And it's like, that's like a conversation I've had with my girlfriend before. And she just calls me cheap. But it's like, I'm spending all this money. I'm having to put this thing together. And she'll just be like, oh, don't be so cheap. It's like, well, you're not the one spending the money and putting it together. (laughs) So I get it. I get it, Wonder Woman. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was really funny, too. And what did you think about, like, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, what did you think about the character that she's going to see at the end? Uh, you know, I kind of saw it coming Same. because she talks about it at the beginning of the book. But I will say that the fight leading up to revealing who it is is really cool inside that prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just the, like, the shades of red were super cool. and. Yeah. We, I mean, we both know the history she has with this character. So really interested to see where it's going to go. Yeah, it's just, to me, it just seems like they kind of just put him in here just because the movie's coming out. Well, that could be. But I think he's a, he's a cool villain and they, they, she can do something neat. She, I mean, yeah. uh, Mariko Tamaki so uh yeah I'm interested to see where it goes and I really hope that uh that Janin stays on art throughout at least the arc because <laughs> it's it's such a nice book yeah I agree dude so what comics are you excited about coming out next week dude well, why don't you go first while I bring up the list? <laughs> um, so I will say Dark Knights Death Metal Legends Dark Knights number one. That's such a terrible name for a book. D- I'm, I'm excited for DNDMLDK. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm probably, since there's not a lot of stuff that I'm like really pumped about, I'll probably get like, all of far sector and read that because far sector seven number seven comes out and that's something i'm really excited about to you know kind of get caught up on and guardians of the galaxy i think should be pretty fun do you have the you have it opened up yet i do okay also the the death metal spinoff because that's been super fun um you know, part two of, of Joker War for Batman 96. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then, you know, I love all the Storyteller books. Uh, Storyteller Ghost number four comes out. So that should be pretty fun. I think that'll be the last one in that series. And yeah, those are those are going to be my big ones for the week. Right on, dude. Um... Yeah, do you want to guess that first appearance? Oh boy, do I. 
Alright. Now, I know it may seem like we're doing a lot of DC characters, so this week, I chose another DC character. I knew you were going to say that. can you tell me <laughs> the first appearance of Vixen? Uh, I probably can't. I'm going to go with... <laughs> Um, I have no idea. Justice League of America issue. Well, a hundred and thirty-eight. Oh man, you were just way off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Action Comics number five hundred and twenty-one. That was my second guess. In July of 1981. <laughs> I figured it was, man. I knew, I knew you were on the fence between the two. Um, you know, it shouldn't come as a surprise that so many characters first appeared in action comics, yet every time I see it, I'm like, oh, man, I'm that surprises me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like that in detective comics, really. Yeah. Like I, thing, you know, they've had a thousand issues each, and... <laughs> It's like if Surely I was smart, some characters. if I was smart, I'd be guessing those every time. But no, I'm like, um, uh, Justice League or um, <laughs> the All-Star guys. <laughs> All right. Well, so much for that, huh? What, uh, what have we got? A Fantastic Four next? Yeah, Fantastic Four in time. So. Cool. Michelle Obama made news this week by starting up her own, I'm assuming, comic book podcast, clearly stealing the idea from us. Um, oh, come on, Michelle. Yeah, I think I think Barry O is going to be her sidekick that's just like, oh, I got these comics this week. And she's like, oh, this one's trash, <laughs> but this one's good, Barry. And But why don't you give me four comic characters who would be just the best podcast hosts? All right. So these were with no prep time because I forgot to ask you what the question was going to be. I mean, it's in the notes, so, bud. You can just scroll. <laughs> I know I could, but I didn't this week. So the first one that came to mind would be G. Gordon Godfrey, especially if he was still voiced by Tim Curry, like he is in Young Justice, because it would be very entertaining. He is always one that, uh, you know, he doesn't hold any punches during any interviews or what he's talking about. So I think he'd be a pretty good podcast host, whether you like him or not. And then the next ones were kind of just what I think would be entertaining to listen to. And one of those would be a podcast by Wonder Woman. Um, you know, just talking about the mascara or some of the cool creatures she's fought over the years or just stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that'd be fun. And along those lines, I thought well, instead of like sort of the fantasy aspect, how about who would be good for the sci-fi aspect of that? And initially my thought was Green Lantern. I was like, okay, maybe Hal or, or maybe even Kyle. But then I thought, no, definitely Guy Gardner would be, the best one right he's he's yeah. gonna deliver the most entertaining uh in the most entertaining way <laughs> for sure man. and then finally i gotta go booster gold the man's a time traveler he 
and we already know he's charismatic as all get out. So, you know, that, that just screams perfect podcast host. Yeah. Other than, of course, my co-host, Casey Morse. Oh, thanks, man. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> what about you? Who do you think would be a good host? Um, well, one of the ones that, that came to my mind would have been like a Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, you know, Blue and Gold podcast. That was like one of my first thoughts. And then, like, obviously, J. Jonah Jameson. I think he's even done that in the comics. Or it was just a radio oh, show. that's a great one. And um, then I was thinking, like, like you, I was like Guy Gardner. Because he was, a, you know, a, like, he would just have it be like, you call it something like bar related. Like, bar room talking with Guy Gardner. You know, like that type of thing where he's, like, <laughs> just having, like, oh, they, these are like, the conversations I'd have in my bar. You know, like how Mark Maron's like, these are the conversations that I would have with my buddies after a show. Like, it'd be the same exact thing, but like that. Because I could see Guy mm. Gardner being a Mark Maron. Like, not really, like, <laughs> kind of a jerk. Not really well liked for a long time, but he can get anyone to talk. And, like, it'd be a big deal when he finally got Batman on. And then... I'm going to try to go with someone else from Marvel because I think Gambit would be a, except for like, if you could get past his Louisiana accent, it would make for a really good podcast. <laughs> like you learn all about the, you know, thievery stuff. It'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, it would. Now I just want a Gambit podcast. <laughs> That'll be our secondary <laughs> podcast. We'll do it in Louisiana and accents <laughs> the whole time. Pretending oh, to be Gambit. That's it's going to last one entire episode. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be 12 hours long. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Was that was that all four? I that was all count. four. Yeah, because I, I think it was more than that. Yeah, it was actually five, but I was counting blue and gold as one because they would have a podcast together. Of course. Okay. Well, then that is going to bring us to our finale of the Cosmic Beatdown. Are you excited? Yeah, that should be fun. Me too. And of course, this final is Orion versus Zod. I believe it's my turn to start, so I'll hop in if you're not opposed. I am not opposed, my friend. All right. Orion, son of Darkseid, is a literal god and New Genesis' greatest warrior, second only to Highfather and Darkseid himself in power. He's shown to be equal to Superman and above most Earth heroes in power, making him one of the DCU's strongest warriors. So, some strength feats. Even as a child, he was able to punch Steppenwolf and hurt him. He shattered a mountain thrown at him by Calabac and then throws one of his own back at him. You know how much I love animal feats when it <laughs> comes to these? <laughs> he once overpowered an entire legion of mutated shark warriors. One of them, their leader, was called Sharkside. <laughs> okay, dude. Which I'm going to wave the white flag right now. You win. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's destroyed Calabac's club, which supposedly only Darkseid could do. He's restrained Superman on multiple occasions. Has thrown a chunk of rock clear through an apocalyptic tank. 
he once flexed out of solid titanium. And uh, one time he punched through a barrier made by the shade. And I'm also going to do some speed feats. He moves at the speed of thought. He can fly from Earth to New Genesis in less than a heartbeat without using a boom tube. He's blocked blasts of light from Light Ray, moves as a blur uh, when he fought an amped up Calabac. Like, Calabac thought he was a blur. <laughs> that was poorly worded. Uh, he once kept up with the Black Racer and even gained on him. And Scott Free, the god of freedom and escape, states that Orion would eventually catch and kill him. And now I'll let you talk for a few minutes. Okay. Uh, General Zod. He is a Kryptonian. He ain't no Calabac girl. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Did so, you just come up with that on the fly? No, I think we've actually said that to each other before about Calabac. So I was just like <laughs> mining that because I just like every time it says Calabac, I just think, he ain't no Calabac girl. He ain't no Calabac. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so some strength feats for him. He's on like on par with Superman being a Kryptonian. He once punched Mongol so hard. It knocked him right into outer space. Like, you know, in those old, I think it was the Honeymooners, where the guy would be like, pow, Janice, right to the moon, or whatever. He actually can do that. Uh, he punched Supergirl hard enough to send her flying. He repeatedly beat down Martian Manhunter. He can shatter the ground alone by punching it or stomping really hard. He beat down Superman without intentions to kill him because he was like, he was just holding back, but he still beat the crap out of him. Uh... New 52 Superman is arguably solar system galaxy level, and he still was able to beat him. He took down Cyborg Superman with a single precise strike. He beat up both Green Lanterns, broke their broke their constructs like they were nothing. He was able to catch Hal Jordan's will-powered up punch. He kicked Superman away. He can destroy military equipment with Ursa with ease. He fought off Brainiac's robots along with Superman. He takes down Superboy in two hits. He drew blood from Superman with just a punch. He can, his punches manage to, at the very least, like stagger Doomsday, which like doesn't sound like a lot, but at the same time, Doomsday is a whole thing on of itself. So like the fact that he was able to kind of stagger it, that says something. Some durability. It's, again, Kryptonian level. It's Superman level. He is durable. Um, their Kryptonians are known to be as durable as white Martians. They, who can blow up, uh, who can blow up planets. He barely flinches at an attack from vibe, which that's not really a feat. It's vibe. Um, <laughs> he takes a, why did you mention it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anytime I can talk down about characters, I'm going to, he takes a large energy attack from Tunguska. Tunguska has the power of, about a thousand Soviet rockets. He survives the combined efforts of the Suicide Squad and Cyborg Superman. And in this big attack that was, you know, being hit at him, it also had the Enchantress and Kryptonians are weak towards magic and Zod survived. Um, he literally shot himself in the head with heat vision to remove his Kryptonian uh, bomb implant that was put in the back of his head. 
He casually takes punches from Superman. He tanks another punch from Superman. Uh, takes hits from Brainiac on a ship. He no-sells a punch from Superboy. He can resist Superman's heat vision. Um, like, Hawkman hit him in the back of the head with a mace, and he called it only a tickle. And, yeah, I'll let you talk about some more Orion, then I'll get into some speed. Okay. Durability. Orion resists a psychic whip without his mother box. Takes blast from the Void Hound with no damage, and the Void Hound destroyed ten star systems in one test run. He shrugs off Slig's disintegration powers, gets blasted by Mantis's antimatter attack, and recovers fast enough to continue the execution of Mantis. He tanks a Hellbore explosion, which <laughs> those are strong enough to create apocalypse fire pits. Um, he was injured, but survives the Omega Beams of Dr. Bedlam, amped up by Darkseid. He shrugs off a Mother Box explosion that knocked out Steel and Big Barda at the same time. He was blasted by the Simulcron of the Black Racer, and is still conscious, despite Darkseid being knocked out by that same hit. He's able to dispel reality warping. He's tanked Darkseid's Omega Beams. He contains, by like holding, the Oblivion Bomb, a bomb that was going to destroy the entire universe. And he blocks a blast of anti-life from an amped up dark side. Couple intelligence or like misc feats. He outsmarts and outpreps an immortal who had been killing and draining the life force of people since Ponce de Leon's days. He has encyclopedic knowledge of war and weaponry as part of his deal being the god of war. Um, he does have a healing factor. And he has a mother box, which grants all sorts of cosmic tech, energy, and a couple random powers. And I'll save my last little bit and let you go again. All right. Um, so Superman, like for some speed feats, Superman claims Zod moves like a ghost, making it hard to for him to hear or see him with his various enhanced visions. Able to fly at high speeds, outmaneuver his targets, can attack so fast to the point where it feels like he bull rushes opponents head on. He is able to keep up with Wonder Woman and Superman in combat at the same time. He effortlessly dodges punches <laughs> from other Kryptonians alike. And dodging bullets, that's nothing for him. Just like everyone else on this. You know, every time we talk about someone's feats. Fighting styles and fighting abilities. Zod has been training combat for basically his whole life. He uh, has earned the arts of Torkinism and Rao, a hard and brutal fighting style of Kryptonians that is meant to kill. Torkism Vow, a me uh, meditate fluid spiritual way of combat has been routinely slaying Kryptonian monsters for 15 years. This was back when he was a kid and depowered. Uh, he took down monsters with his bare hands. And then when he was powered up, he locked, he fought Superman, got him in an arm bar, and breaks his arm in close quarters. And he is, you know, was, he was over, you know, overpowered by Superman, but was able to break free of his grip just by his skill alone. Uh so he's got like you know the Kryptonian powers like his heat vision, 
you know, you know what heat vision does. He, you know, no, able- please explain <laughs> it to me in great detail. Um, <laughs> they're like his eye makes Bernie lasers shoot Ooh. out. Yeah. So he's got, it's, it's the same, like same thing as Superman. He, as you, as you love animal feats, once blasted crypto, the super dog with it, he can, <gasps> he's harmed the eradicator with a single blast. Uh, he's, you know, blast back Superboy, And he, like I said, melted out of, you know, the Kryptonian bomb in his head. He's got super hearing. His hearing is sensitive enough to hear any sound at any volume or pitch. Uh, with a skill and concentration, he can block out ambient sounds to focus on a specific source or frequency. He's got super breath. He can create hor- hurricane force winds by exhaling air from his lungs. He can chill the air as it leaves his lungs to freeze a target. He can also reverse the process to pull large volumes of air or vapor into his lungs. So he can be like, get over here, Orion. And Orion like, oh, no. And he'd be right over on him. And then I'm just going to talk, like, I got a little bit left, like, just different people he's beaten up, kind of re- reiterating some of the, some of his fights and whatnot. And I'll let you talk, though. All right. Some notable fights. He slaughtered an entire army of Thanagarians. He's able to actually seal holes in reality. He's disintegrated Mantis, as I stated above. Uh, he once blasted King of the World Superman halfway across the world, and King of the World Superman was amped up from constantly traveling to the surface of the sun. He wounds an amped Starro and sends it into shock. And don't really know how this one works. He once matched Dr. Fate's energy blasts. And uh, Dr. Fate, as you know, is a pretty tough guy. And he provided one-fifth of the power to the sink of power. Um, Not like kitchen sink, of course. That would be silly. But that power is enough to destroy a universe. And the other parts of that were powered up by Dr. Fate, Etrigan, Darkseid, and the High Father. Uh, he turns into his true form, which appears as a sentient man-shaped universe with red eyes. That's when he gets really angry. And probably his biggest feat, he fights Darkseid to the death for control of Apocalypse. And at the end of the fight, Orion just straight up rips out Darkseid's heart. So <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to end on for Orion. All right. So with Zod... He, you know, like I told you, beat New 52 Superman just by being, you know, outskilling him, basically. He has one-shotted Supergirl. He took down Hank Henshaw. Uh, when he was powerless on skill alone, he took down a monster that was strong enough to destroy concrete. He was able to bull rush Manhunter, taking him out while delivering, delivering multiple punches, knocking him out. And now we can just talk about who we think would win. Uh, I mean, like, just straight up. I think power alone, Zod takes him, but I'll, I'll let you say some stuff and then I'll, I'll finish on my opinion thing. Sure. Um, I don't think Zod takes him on power alone (laughs) just because if we're going off of just, you know, like, okay, so you were saying he, he can he's on equal level as Superman. Mm -hmm. So is Zod. 
Superman and the whole Justice League like have obviously been kicked around by Darkseid and other gods and Orion has beaten those guys that tells me that he can beat Zod yeah I mean I mean I will say this though Orion has lost a Superman before like when you put especially with Darkseid because Darkseid's in my opinion, his stuff kind of sucks because that probably wasn't the real dark side because the real dark side's on his own plane of existence. And that was one of the icons because that's how they write out whenever that type of stuff happens where dark side loses. It's very much like Thanos, (laughs) but, and I'm not taking this away because I, I was like looking up different stuff to be like, okay, Zod could win because Superman's beaten Orion. That being said, you didn't mention this, but when I was doing my research, Orion actually has a weapon that he's used to beat Superman before. And I'm blanking on the name of it, but I saw it today. And when I was when I read that, I was like thinking when I was like cutting grass today, I'm like, Zod just can't win. And I'm going to try to pull up that that weapon really quick just so I can like mention it because I'm like, yeah, no, Zod loses. Uh, hold on a sec. Yeah, I... Uh... Because I, I was looking at multiple respect threads and that never even came up. Yeah, because it was like in his fight with Superman. Because I was like reading up different stuff on the Superman and the um, Orion, like Superman and Orion. Because I'm like, Superman can beat him. Zod can easily because Zod's like Superman, but not as nice. And where is it? Um. I'll let you talk for a while while I'm looking for it. Cause I don't want dead air. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It was cool. Like I, I knew that Orion was tough, but, and, and I read a good chunk of Walt Simonson's Orion run and man, he, he just did some absolutely insane stuff in that run and watching him just like, I mean, we've seen him when he's angry, but that series shows him when he's like, just going all out and it, it was pretty scary like i it, it would it would take a lot to put him down because he's not he's not gonna stop unless you like kill him <laughs> basically yeah so i found it. it's called the astro force or like the astro force could shatter orion said or uh astro force could shatter worlds but only use it to stun superman in the fight and then another time, Orion actually one-shot him with a more powerful blast from the Astro Force. And it's just like, unless Zod was able to speed blitz him, which I think he could. But at the same time, it's like, he's not going to be able to speed, you know, speed blitz him every time. Like, that Astro Force thing is a bit too much. Right. Well, I mean, you you would have given yourself a better shot not bringing it up since I didn't find that in my research. <laughs> um, sir? <laughs> but I'm glad that you did. Sir, this, is, this isn't about who wins. This is about being honest with our listeners. Dang it. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> well, there we have it. I guess Orion beats the great General Zod. Yeah, I guess Zod's the one kneeling this time. Hey, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool fight, though. You I didn't really know much of anything about Zod, so it was cool to to learn all that about him. Like the, the big thing I yeah. learned that was kind of weird is like, I guess 
new 52 Zod is like where it's at. Like everything pre that, it's kind of lame. Like someone, like one of the things I was reading that people they kind of compared him to just being like as annoying as gum on your gum on your shoe. Like there, it's not nothing, nothing crazy like he is now. Sure. Well, that, uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, that puts me in the lead for this cosmic beatdown. Yeah, though, I mean, I'm still at a tie with, in my opinion, with the Martian Manhunter Silver Surfer, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, you also used an actual cheat code in the first fight, so. And I gave you this W, so. (laughs) <laughs> i guess we'll just have to do another battle segment eventually huh someday maybe like next week or the week after <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to think about a, another cool category to do for sure man cosmic is like a bonkers one you know like yeah. street street levelers are one thing but all these cosmic people some of their feats are just truly out of this world oh and like the worst part about (laughs) it too though is like you could get a feat with like let's just go with martian manhunter you could have a feat where it's just like oh yeah he beat the whole justice league by himself and then like i could be like well general zod beat him by himself and it's just like okay i don't know then you know (laughs) yeah I, i definitely get that all right. Well, hey, that was fun, man. I will virtually shake your hand on a good battle segment, and we'll let you guys know what we do soon. And, you know, nobody has to this point, but why don't you let us know who you think wins that fight? And and why don't you let us know what you think would be a good battle segment if you're just like, you know what I really want? I really want just like, them have their favorite like strong wrestlers but they have to wrestle greco-roman style and then i'd be like hercules first pick and you know maybe someone will be like we only want aquatic themed characters (laughs) i I don't know why that would be a thing somebody (laughs) wants but you never know it's like we just want people (laughs) whose names start with s (laughs) anyway you get the idea let us know what you want to see all right guys well that wraps up this episode so real quick if you would please like us on facebook at facebook.com slash tools podcast you can also find us on twitter at two underscore worlds underscore podcast and on instagram at two worlds pod you can also email us at twoworldspodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't done so yet, and I don't know why you haven't, please like and review us five stars wherever you're listening to this. And we would love to stay in chat, but we got some magic to do. Hey, Siegfried, get away from that tiger thing. It'll get you. Siegfried, no, no. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs> bye. <laughs>